This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have details on a new flax straw pellet plant being built in Regina at a cost of $1 million this year. It should open in April. We have reaction to a new provincial mental health initiative and a trucker convoy crossing this province onto Ottawa. We have reaction from both the stock growers and APAS. We also have another feature from last week's virtual beef industry conference. Today we hear about concern about copper deficiencies in cattle due to last year's drought. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. A Saskatchewan company is building a million-dollar flax straw processing plant in Regina. Prairie Clean Energy President Mark Cooper says the waste straw would be processed into pellets and sold worldwide for a biofuel in power plants and other heating uses. Cooper held introductory talks last week in Regina with Japanese power company Renova. Yeah, it's very exciting times for, for Prairie Clean Energy. So the interest in, in the agricultural residue uh, renewable energy capacity is, is significant from companies like Renova who have uh, a history of being focused on uh, on that renewable energy space. And so uh, we, we, were, we were privileged to host a couple of guests from, uh, from Renova's operations here in the middle of winter uh, to to meet with us and our team to talk about the opportunities to work together both uh, with Renova as a customer of Prairie Clean Energy, but also perhaps as a partner in some, in some joint ventures. And so early days in those conversations, but they were extremely positive. Uh, the Renova delegates uh, enjoyed their, their meetings here and their time here despite the cold weather and uh, and have uh, promised that we'll be, uh, we'll be speaking again with them here in, in the coming days. So no sales yet, no investment yet, but you're hopeful? Extremely hopeful. I think that the the, the vision that they came here with was uh, about where this industry here with agricultural residue can go. Of course, immediately today with the you know with the impending purchase of, of flax pellets, but also in the five year and ten year and beyond horizon, uh, they have a, a clear vision of where they want to go and how they want to leverage the agricultural residue across the prairies, both in Canada and the U.S., to really seize the marketplace and, and take advantage of those opportunities. So we're excited to be talking to companies like them and to really be at, at the, the cutting edge of, of an emerging industry here in Saskatchewan. What stage is your flax pelletization at? Have you made any sales or just where you at? Yeah, so we are. Uh, we were funded this year through Innovation Saskatchewan to complete the last stage of our commercialization process. At, uh, and so a combination of, of private capital that we raised and, uh, and money from Innovation Saskatchewan is contributing to um, the building of our first pellet mill which will be operational in April here in Regina. And uh, that pellet mill will be relatively low low volume. So it will allow us to work through the kinks of the of managing flax straw, which is, you know, a, a challenging, uh, challenging straw, but we have been able to pelletize it. 
And so between now and the end of 2022, uh, we'll be producing pellets, selling those pellets locally here to, uh, again, because of the low volume, we'll be selling them to local buyers. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be completing the, the patent process for our, our pellets. And so by the end of 2022, we'll be in a position to start to look at overseas sales. And so the conversations with Renova and other companies to date have just been focused on being ready for that point here at the end of the year. So how much flax straw do you plan on using and how much do the pellets sell for? Sure. We're going to, we're going to purchase 6,000 tons of straw this year. From, uh, from producers in and around uh, the Regina area, likely between uh, you know, 100 and 150 a mile radius is kind of the draw that we'll be looking for. So we don't need a, a huge amount of it. 6,000 tons is our goal for the year. And uh, the pellet price uh, will be starting at $150 a ton uh, and will depend from there on transportation costs and things like that. So that's, uh, that's the price. What are the key markets and what's the outlook? Yeah, so when when Prairie Clean Energy started, we were focused entirely on the global industrial power production uh, industry, and that remains our, our primary clientele, examples like Renova. Uh, but we've also realized uh, that there's lots of, of local demand at smaller scale, say, for chicken farmers who are bringing in coal to heat their facilities and, and carbon taxes, pricing that coal out of competitiveness, and so they're beginning to look at alternatives and uh, so we have a good local demand, which is growing, and uh, and strong international interest as the supplies that they're using today in wood pellets becomes increasingly challenging for them to source, and they're always looking for more sustainable fuels. So the industrial power and local markets will be our, our prime customers in the, as, as we move forward. And potential growth. Yeah, I mean, our, our objective is that uh, by the end of this decade, we will have eight facilities operating across the prairies, producing uh, more than 100,000 tons per facility of uh, flax pellets and other ag residue pellets, each facility employing in the vicinity of, of 40 people. And so we believe that the, the growth opportunity is significant. The supply is there, the demand is there, and, and our job is just to bring the two together. Cooper says the flax pellet plant will be built this year at a cost of $1 million dollars. He says larger scale plants will be in the $10 million range. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca. A report from Canfax shows a 12% increase in the number of cattle on feed from a year ago. These are the largest numbers in 20 years. Saskatchewan Stock Growers President Kelsey Elford says the numbers reflect the prairie-wide drought this past year. I believe it's direct uh, relation to what we've been dealing with with dry conditions. You know, normally guys that would retain some of those cattle on, on farm to, to take them a little further and, and didn't have a, as much access to feed, that definitely contributed. Um, you know, and, but it's, it's a great news that we're feeding more cattle in this country and that we can uh, supply our own own demand, but you know there's cause and effect in in everything, and and so when when you look at what the outside influences were, that was definitely uh, definitely a contributing factor to it, Jim. Given recent snowstorms, are you optimistic about 2022 and uh, soil moisture for pastures, that kind of thing? Because we've got some snow in the south, and apparently a lot in the north. Yeah, there's some areas in this province that are that are covered quite substantially, and it's it's really going to help with the lack of uh, of clean 
good water for cattle going into the summer. In some areas, um, you know, there there isn't near enough yet. Um, around Moose Jaw area, there's some like where I'm where I'm at, but we definitely need some more. Um, you know, it's it's still a concern for a lot of producers, but um, you know, there's still some time left in this winter, and and we're thankful for the snow we have gotten because uh, um, the last two years there's there's been less than than what we've got already this year. So optimistic in some areas and and very concerned in others still on another topic there's a trucker convoy going across saskatchewan uh, either today or depending of course on weather and roads but it they're protesting the imposition of enforced vaccination your thoughts on the trucker convoy i think that when people can rally together for a cause that they believe in and and get behind that cause um, you know, it can spark real change. Um, you know, we've seen data coming out from around the world on on the effectiveness of uh, a lot of these vaccines, and it doesn't matter where you stand on vaccines. I believe this convoy is about rights and freedoms in this country, and I believe that those need to be stood up for in this country more now than ever in, in my recollected history. It's also good to note that in that trucker convoy that they're they're uh, also going against the, the carbon tax you know and the added cost that it that it puts on everybody when you go to the store everything will cost more simply because of the the tax that this administration has in, imposed on us and i hope that that it sparks real change i know that they are not terrorists they are people making a living and and want to want to bring food to the stores and, and products across the country and, and people need to realize and understand that we're all connected and everything that they they have in their homes, in their vehicles, in their grocery stores, at one point was probably on a truck. So, you know, it's, it's important to listen when these guys stand up and, and say this isn't right. The province, on another topic, has announced a public awareness campaign on mental health and addictions. Your thoughts? I think that's a great initiative. Now more than ever, uh, it's been a, a huge pressure on our industry. The stress of, of markets and, and dry conditions and, you know, every every day-to-day, it's taken a toll mentally. Uh, this this pandemic is, has really put a lot of people in a, in a bad place in their mental health. Um, and I would encourage anyone who is struggling with that to seek help. I, I unfortunately had to go help a bury, bury a friend that lost the battle with mental health on, on Friday. And if there's any way to avoid that pain, please, if you are having struggling, take advantage of the resources that are available. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a sign of weakness. Reach out. There's, there's help available. So with that initiative, I, I applaud what's being rolled out for mental health. How are markets looking right now for cattle producers? Honestly, I, I haven't followed it too closely, but what I have seen, you know, there's there's some pos- positive things, and I believe that with cattle numbers the way that they are going into the uh, market year, there's some opportunity definitely for all cattle producers. Kelsey Elford is the president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. 
Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Here we're talking to Jeremy Boychin. He is the Agronomy Research Extension Specialist with Alberta Wheat and Barley Commissions. Now, Jeremy, another sort of reminder here as we go through the checklist of getting prepped for spring is I don't care if you're in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, or you know outside of that geography as well, seed testing. Making sure that you have the kind of quality that you're gonna put you want to put in the ground. Like don't this is look at where the market is, look at what you spent on fertilizer, make sure all of that is accompanied with high quality seed. Yeah, I mean this is one of those costs that is going to return uh in in, in, in you know, three, four, fivefold uh, in terms of information that you're going to get back. And I know a lot of producers have sent in their seed for testing. And I think, you know, talking to some of the seed testing labs, um, one of the highest years in terms of seeing uh, seed lots come in for testing. Um, it is funny because we went through such a kind of, of a high and low of, of, of seed quality coming out of, of, of this past season. Um, you know, we were concerned with the drought that there was going to be low quality, uh, and then we started seeing a lot of tests coming back, and, and you know, quality was looking good, and, and we're seeing that you know continue on. Um, but we need to make sure that that seed continues to have the energy that we want as it continues through storage. Um, so, you know, testing some of those seed lots to see whether any of that quality may have decreased through storage, because you're right, Sean, the amount of money that we're spending on inputs this year. Um, making sure that we start with a good foundation of seed in the ground to get a solid crop started is going to help us be successful through the season. And not just that, it, you know, the efficiency of everything else we use in season uh, goes up when we have a good crop stand. Um, so even if you've done your seed test before, um, early on or, or in the fall, you know, asking the question of, should I be testing this again? Should I be making sure that it, it, it's where I expected it to be? If the vigor was a little bit low, um, then maybe there's a risk of, of that energy continuing to go down through storage. So there's nothing wrong with testing it again. Um, and again, this is a good value back in terms of knowing exactly what you need to put in the ground. Um, seed is hard to come across this year uh, for certain varieties. So um, if you have something you want to use, uh, making sure that you're putting the right amount in the ground based on the quality of that seed is going to be important for a strong year, Sean. Don't let that quality hide behind a curtain. Open up that curtain, take a look so you can make the right decisions. It's better to know. <laughs> you know it's, it's way better to know. It may be not great information, but it is, uh, it is, it is good to, to know for sure. So th- there's a good part of the prairie still dealing with drought. And everyone trying to figure out agronomically all the considerations, what to do. Do you know? Do you, you know, do you maybe do some in-crop in if if it starts to rain? There's just a lot of different tactics people are talking about. One of the questions that I, I'm not sure it's coming up enough, at least not in my circles, is fertilizer seed safety when it comes to the drought and what you can and can't do next to that seed. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we, we've talked about the herbicide carryover. We've talked about the amount of nitrogen left in the soil. Make sure you do that, that soil test. But this is, you're right, this is something that hasn't been discussed as much. Um, but knowing that there's areas of, of the prairies that are probably seeing much less moisture than they've seen in many years, 
this needs to be a consideration of how much how much fertilizer can I actually put with my seed? And, you know, there's going to be recommendations that are a little bit different depending on your soil zone and the province that you're in based on the soil tests that have been done or the, the soil information that's been done. But, um, I mean, in general, uh, you're looking at, if you're in dry, dry conditions, you're looking at maybe a 50% reduction of what, what nitrogen can go with the seed. So if you're using something like a, a three-inch sweep and you're on nine-inch um, spacings, you know, on a medium soil texture, so clay loam, uh, you know, 40 pounds of nitrogen in a normal year is appropriate. Um, but if you're dry, dry, that, you know, you may want to think about cutting that in half to reduce the risk of seed burn. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, wind up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 19, and we have reached that right now. The low is minus 32. Tuesday, mainly sunny. Wind southeast, 20. The high, minus 15 tomorrow. Wind chill, minus 42 tomorrow morning, minus 29 in the afternoon. The low, minus 12. Wednesday, partly cloudy, 60% chance of flurries. The high, minus 2. The low, minus 9. So the milder weather returns Wednesday. Thursday, partly cloudy. The high, minus 9. The low, minus 15. Friday, partly cloudy, the high minus 7, the low minus 10. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 6, the low minus 13. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 7. Normal high for this date is minus 10, the normal low minus 23. The sun rose at 8.44 this morning. It sets at 5.37 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, east end in southwest Saskatchewan at minus 2. The cold spot, of course, up north, Stony Rapids at minus 31. Estevan is minus 22, Saskatoon minus 21, Swift Current minus 13, Weyburn minus 22, Yorkton minus 25. Regina has clear skies. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day. Minus 19, that's two below Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north at 4. Humidity is 66%, the barometer rising 102.6. Moose Jaw partly cloudy, minus 18. Winds are from the west at 4. Once again, Regina, clear skies, minus 19, that's two below Fahrenheit. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. The president of APAS applauds a new provincial public awareness campaign on mental health and addictions. Ian Boxall says it is important for the Saskatchewan government to launch a publicity campaign to outline what support is available to those facing stress and pressures. Mental health and the issues that are facing Saskatchewan residents, it, uh, it hits home, I think. You know, every, everybody's been affected by mental health, whether themselves or somebody close to them has had some issues and I think more awareness brought to the fact that there 
our services available for the for when you ha- when you're having a tough time is is great. I think especially in rural Saskatchewan where a- access is limited to services just because of population and people, I think having an awareness on what is available and what where people can go when they need to get some help is I give the government kudos for that. So the message is find help if you're feeling down and low. You betcha. Reach out, talk to somebody, you know, find, and, and the fact that the government's going to lay this out in a way that this, this, the, where they can get help will be more readily available, accessible, is great on their part. Let's make sure that people have the information they need if they are having some trouble. On another issue, we've got a trucker convoy crossing Saskatchewan. They're protesting enforced vaccinations of truckers, and I guess the carbon tax, they're opposed to it. Your thoughts on it? I think it just shows the frustration that everybody's having with with COVID and with this pandemic. And two years in, no matter which side of the equation you sit on, pro-vax or anti-vax, I think people are frustrated with the, with the whole thing. So I think that just shows the frustration in people more than anything. Ian Boxall of Tisdale is the president of APAS. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. A professor of large animal clinic sciences at the University of Saskatchewan says secondary copper deficiencies are more prevalent in beef cattle this winter. Dr. John Campbell says last year's drought is playing a role. We have high molybdenum levels in the soil or plants that can bind copper. If we have high sulfate levels, either in the diet or in the water, that can bind copper and limit absorption. As well. So dugouts with low water levels tend to have high sulfate levels that can be a problem in their own, but subclinically, they might just affect copper if it's just sort of uh, a little bit high. Uh, deep wells can have reasonably high sulfate levels in the water. Uh, use of feeds with high sulfate levels like canola meal, uh, salvage canola, distiller's grains, things like that can also impact the sulfate levels in the diet. Dr. Campbell runs through some of the symptoms seen in a secondary copper deficiency. We can see diarrhea. We can just see poor growth and poor weight gain. We see these hair color changes where the coat looks kind of bleached out. Uh, in really serious ones, especially in young growing animals, we can see these swollen, painful joints, bone fractures, can even see rear leg weakness and paralysis. I saw one outbreak like that years ago. But probably biggest ones that I want to highlight are infertility and decreased resistance to disease because I think those are both pretty important. Obviously, infertility is a pretty important economic factor for us and having a poor reproductive pregnancy rate can can be a major economic blow. Copper levels are important for gestating cows. Colostrum and milk are relatively low in copper. So unlike vitamin A, newborn calves rely on adequate liver copper stores in the mother that they get during gestation. So, you know, we need to make sure our gestating cows have adequate copper levels uh, while that baby calf is in there uh, because they're not going to get much copper from the milk uh, when they're born. Copper is also important to several aspects of immune function in mature cows. And we know that deficient cattle probably respond poorly to vaccines. They're more susceptible to disease challenges, including parasites. They have decreased immune protector cells. They have decreased antibody responses. And stressful events will also deplete the liver copper stores even further. We've seen a few outbreaks that we're actually working on right now 
with Mannheimia pneumonia, so the same bug that causes pneumonia in feedlot cattle, sort of the shipping fever type pneumonia in mature beef cows. And yeah, we've always seen that occasionally now and then in in an older animal, but that's pretty rare. And now we're dealing with several herds that have had multiple cows die of Mannheimia pneumonia. The one beef herd that we've looked at, they had pretty severe copper deficiency. And we're wondering if that might be the reason why we've got mature beef cows that shouldn't be getting pneumonia in the middle of nowhere with no sort of other stressful events. Why would they do that? And we wonder if their immunity is being impacted by low copper. A study of beef cattle in southern Saskatchewan shows copper levels below 0.5 parts per million in the blood impact the rate of open females. Cows that are force-fed mineral, they are six times more likely to have adequate copper than free choice. They came out to heat twice as fast. They become pregnant about five days earlier than cows fed pre-choice. And we know that that pre-calving supplementation is probably more effective than than post-calving supplementation, uh, largely because those calves need to get that copper while they're in their mama's belly. Dr. Campbell says special attention needs to be paid to trace mineralization supplementation. Force-feeding minerals definitely more effective. It's not always logistically possible. We do have trace mineral bolus available here in Canada. We don't have the injectable trace mineral products that they have in the U.S. Hopefully, we're going to get those here in the next few years. I think they're working on licensing them here in Canada. I think you might want to consider injectable vitamin A this year, or at least make sure you're doing adequate supplementation in your feed somehow. You can monitor your mineral intake, so pay attention to it. it don't just throw bags out there and forget about it. Like think about it and and see if cows are eating it. Uh, You might want to consider using chelated minerals and then you can monitor your vitamin and mineral levels. You can uh, get your veterinarian to sample some animals and do blood tests. It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing at all. Uh, You can get liver biopsies from animals that die. You can get liver biopsies from live animals. It's not a very difficult job. We're doing them all the time at the LFCE and and, uh, we don't have any issues. So we can monitor those things. Dr. John Campbell is a professor of large animal clinical sciences at the University of Saskatchewan's Western College of Veterinary Medicine. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola fell $17.30 at $938.92 per metric ton. Flax had a big day dropping. Flax plunged $100.39 at $1,370.20. Number one red spring wheat went up $5.53 at $432.91. The rest were all unchanged this morning. Durham 698.55. Feed barley 383.64. Lentils, $887.50 per metric ton. Oats, $471.53. Yellow peas, $632.89. And feed wheat, $261.65. At Minneapolis this morning, March spring wheat rose 11 cents at $9.47 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. 
Heartland Livestock Market Report. It's Brett Jensen reporting from the Swift Current Yards. Last week in our regular sale, the D12 cows brought 71 to 79. D3 cows 60 to 70. The good bulls brought 90 to 102. Medium bulls 80 to 90. Hefferets brought $1.20, $2.30. Open heifers at a thousand pounds, one seventy to one seventy-five. Guys, we got a good bread sale coming up this Thursday, January the twenty-seventh. One hundred and fifty on offer. Give us a call. This has been Brett Jensen with Heartland Livestock Swift Current. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is both branded Moose Jaw plants, one hundred seventy-eight dollars seventy cents per ckg. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. A new study from the nonprofit Angus Reid Institute finds some Canadians struggling more than ever from the financial stresses of the pandemic. On the negative end of the spectrum, two in five or 39% of Canadians say they are worse off now than they were last year. This is the largest group with lower incomes, more precarious housing, and difficulty with inflationary trends. On the other end of the spectrum, higher income, low debt households are unchanged or improved. 57% of Canadians say it's currently difficult to feed their household. In 2019, only 36% said the food aspect was causing them difficulty. 23% of Canadians are optimistic about their finances improving over the next 12 months, but 29% say it will worsen. 47% of residents in Saskatchewan say they are worse off now than last year. 25% of Canadians say rising interest rates would hurt their finances. On the markets, the TSX is down 686 points to 19,935. The Dow has dropped 901 points to 33,364. Oil has declined 267 to 82.47 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 71 hundredths of a cent at 78.75 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.